Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the place where we chat about the greatest team in the land, Watford FC. Today we'll be moving up to the Brentford game on Tuesday with fan and podcaster David Anderson. But before that, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show football analyst and Watford fan Jordan Weimer to chat all about the Hornets. And Jordan, you're back to talk about another win, although we're not quite as pleased with this win as we was with the previous one. And we'll get into that, but it felt like it was a bit of a typical Watford away performance, at least judging from this season. Yeah, well, we've talked about before how I'm only on for nil-nils normally and that's pretty much as close to a nil-nil as you can get for a win, I think. Um, yeah, it was it, it was a little bit hard to watch. Well, it was very hard to watch, I think, in a lot of areas. Um, it wasn't the most entertaining at all, um, which it was disappointing. I think we were hoping for a bit of a better reaction, but as you say, we did get the win, so we can only complain so much, of course. Um, yeah, so the result, looking at the result on, on the... On the, on the table and how it puts us back up to fourth it's a positive thing but the performance on the field I think we, we struggled in a few areas and there's a few things that need to be addressed particularly away for sure Ivic deployed Pericha and Dini in the previous game and it worked quite well but he didn't start with those two in this game why do you think he didn't do that? I can only assume it's it's fitness perhaps there might have been a little bit of a niggle or you know signs being flagged on Pericha from the medical staff and maybe he thought wasn't a good idea to start him or perhaps he just wanted to change things up a little bit and, and go back to a, a different system that allowed uh, allowed some other players to come back into the squad and, and maybe see if it fared a little bit differently yeah it seems a little bit strange to change things when they're working but I'm sure there was some reasoning behind it um, clearly it worked pretty well and we saw some some glimpses of a good partnership there so and, and we saw it again when he, when he came on as well we saw Pritchard make a difference uh, and yeah he did, yeah. I think he just has that injection of um, of energy and kind of it's got a bit of tenacity to him. And he's a little bit awkward the way he moves, and he's not the most fluid. But he's chasing everything down, and he he makes a good run, and he was just fast enough, and obviously won the penalty. So I think he adds something right now that some players in the squad just don't really have. It's like a little bit of an intangible kind of effort and, and keenness that he brings to his play. I think has been helping a lot and you combine that with the fact that he's actually a pretty good uh, player to have in the box in terms of his instincts and he gets into good positions and he knows how to he knows how to play in that in the box, which is something that a lot of our strikers have struggled with um, over the last few seasons. He's a tall guy preacher, but he's got a lot of pace about him and, and I think that's one of the things that's impressed me this season about the guy. 
Yeah, he does. He he's not he's he's a bit stiff. Like he doesn't move particularly smoothly. He doesn't turn particularly well. But he he can he can run at a decent speed. He's got acceleration is not bad. So he can he can travel. He can get across the ground and he can make it difficult for defenders. So he does give you that little bit of extra threat there. And as he saw, it was just enough to to win the penalty against Birmingham. Um, actually, I was thinking when I was watching Andre Gray play recently a lot's talked about his pace and how that kind of is an asset that you can you can use in the game I just I feel like he moves a bit stiffly himself now as well I don't think he's as fluid as he used to be and there's a bit of a rigidness to him to his movement and just the way he gets around the pitch so although Pericha doesn't offer the same amount of just raw speed he does have other assets to his game that just make him that little bit more valuable I think he's a he's a good a good player in the box he's got good instincts and he makes good runs and finds himself in good positions which is something that we've definitely lacked uh, from our strikers in the last few seasons Didi was of course playing in the game and playing against his uh, his favourite team his boyhood team he's got a, a tattoo of of Birmingham on his on his leg hasn't he and uh, he uh was called to make a, a big moment happen in the game when he took the penalty, but uh, there was no um, worry from him about about scoring against his favourite side. He just got his head down and did what he usually does, smashed it into the back of the net. Yeah, it's what we kind of expect really at this point, isn't it? I mean, he, had, he missed two good chances uh, earlier on in the game. I think the, the lobbed effort was perhaps a wrong decision. He had a little bit more time than he thought. And then the header, which was definitely the harder of the two. Um, but yeah, I think he was a bit disappointed he couldn't get two of his efforts on target there. And the fact that he got the opportunity to to go from the penalty spot is, yeah, it's, it's good for us. And we know what Troy does, those penalties. We know, I mean, we've talked about it at nauseam as a fan base, how... He's going to go down the middle, and as he was saying in the post match, if it's going to work, I guess, then keep going with it. And if a keeper decides to stand there, then you still got to stop it. So, yeah, if he can continue with that and we get success from it, then yeah, keep going. I don't really want to go over old ground, but I know that we kind of have to because every time Watford play away, they they play in this kind of I don't know, disappointing, not very proactive, not particularly action packed way. How do we get past that, Jordan? How do we how do we try and well, how does Ivic try and you know inject something into the game to 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 make away games not so disappointing and depressing for Watford fans at the minute? I think you just have to go there with an element of risk and, and accept that there's going to be an element of risk if you play at a faster pace. And I think we just have to have some some impetus on the ball and, and play just at a better tempo. Uh, I do think our midfield three. Um, I, that's not a midfield three I'd like to see very often at all I don't think they help you in that in that sense that they weren't the sort of midfield you need when you go into that sort of game you need to have a midfield that dominates the game and is able to to make things happen on the ball I think we had three very sideways midfielders and Joe Garner can look up and play forward but he's been pretty, he's been pretty inconsistent with his um with his with his with his game and he's just not quite uh, been the player that we'd hoped at the moment we've seen flashes of it but not been consistent enough and then the other two Chalaber and Cleverly they just don't have that range of passing that we we kind of need uh, and when we do try and go forwards it's often very slow I don't think we looked um, cohesive at all in the attack I thought our spacing was was off um, there was lots of lots of gaps we don't we don't really need to be seeing that sort of uh, that sort of movement from our forwards, whether it's at home or away from home. We've got better players than that, and if that's spread out and we're isolating Troy like we were, then we're just not really going to be in a situation where we can create chances. So, I think the main the main thing for me still is just the tempo we play with, and I think when we go away from home, we're just a little bit cautious and we slow things down and we try and be controlled and be careful. But if you if you're too careful, I mean, ultimately you're not going to make the chances we saw in the first half. We had an xG rating of zero, which is you know you're not having a single shot. There's not a single chance of a goal to be scored. So. 
that can't really be happening for us and, and expecting to get wins. I know we got the win, but it was in, it was rather fortunate in the end. I think um, I think a draw was probably a fair result. I know we had a few better chances, but it was a very bad game of football. And you can argue that you can win your home games and do that away, but you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to win the home games. I think any team that goes up needs to have a decent away record too for me. It felt like a repeat of the Derby game in many ways. Oh, it was, yeah. I mean, the Derby game... A very similar experience in terms of you know you had that one moment it, it was a moment of quality as opposed to a penalty but it very much a different day you know one one aspect of the game changes and one the situation doesn't happen you don't have that call and you you know you know new I know you can argue that for any game but those in particular you feel like there were them games where you, you kind of felt like you wouldn't have scored all day if you had played and we just happened to in like a very small isolated moment of the game so. For me, obviously, results are important. Of course, it's the most important thing. But I, I do think that performance is a very good indicator for how well you're going to do for the season if you can keep repeating them, you know, good performances and seeing them incremental improvements or, or whatever you need to be seeing in terms of um, attacking threat or defensive structure, whatever. You need to be seeing some improvement and some consistency. And I think the, the consistency we're seeing in the way performances is that we become a slightly negative labored side and that's not really what we need to be seeing when we're trying to fight for promotion whether that's playoff or automatic spot you need to have that consistency of performance across home and away i mean teams can play a little bit of a different style away from home that's not uncommon obviously this happened you know as long as football's existed and home and away advantages existed so you're going to see some slight changes but we're a very different side to what we see at home particularly in that game against Preston and you know even in the last game um, we, we got the three points and it was a slightly different performance it wasn't our best but you have that attacking threat there whereas away from home we just don't look a threat well you mentioned home and away performances there this game coming up uh, is against Brentford and it's going to be a very interesting one Jordan because it is uh, if you were to split the table into two into both a home table and an away table you've got the top of the home table in Watford facing second in the away table in Brentford so you've got a team that loves playing away that's won five already this season and a team that um, has you know in Watford been doing a much better at home it's going to be interesting test isn't it to see who comes out on top on that one yeah I think it's going to be the first real game we've seen I mean we saw the game against Bournemouth we played at home we had a little few elements of that where it's kind of that almost feels like a top of the table kind of clash and you've got two teams that want to win the game they've both you know got some some attacking threat especially if you're talking about us playing at home so yeah I think Brentford are going to come and they've, they've, they're, they're going to be a difficult match for us they're probably going to be the best team we've played in the sense of how they perform away from home I think it's going to be an interesting an interesting match for us to watch as fans and see how we play in Ivic's system which is in some ways kind of it's suited for this sort of game because we are comfortable to be off the ball and I think we've got players that that work better in situations where they are under pressure to counter-attack and, and, and play that way. Because at, at the moment, we've not really been a counter-attacking team at all. But we have got players that are suited to that style of play. So if we're maybe forced into that situation, we might be able to see a few little few little differences in, in some of the players, whether that's Ismail Assar or, or Ken Semmer, whoever. We've got a few in there that can uh, adapt to that. Um, as of now, we've played a lot of games where we've had a lot of the ball and things have looked a little bit 
difficult for us in terms of transitioning the ball so I think just changing the dynamic of the game might help and I also think if you have a team that comes and and plays at a decent tempo like Brentford do I think you're kind of forced into raising your own it's not been as much of an issue at home but I think it's still important that we we do start to see a little bit of a, a more more intense uh more intense focus from our from our team when it comes to attacking and just trying to up that speed a little bit more Brentford have a player in Ivan Tony who scored 15 goals already this season that's an incredible amount and uh, I think it's certainly a player that Watford should have some concern about but how, how do you think um, Ivic will prepare for, for a player like that? Well I mean it's possible that we see the return of the back three that's that's definitely a likelihood I think um, not just for Tony himself but just just to help just to help uh, ease the pressure on, on that back line because Brentford are pretty good at getting numbers forward and they're dangerous in, in those areas, especially when you get into the centre of the box and someone like Ivan Tony that can move into those areas and he's pretty comfortable in, in multiple areas of that front line. So you've got to be you've got to be very focused and switched on because he's going to move across that back line wherever he plays and it's going to make it difficult. So yeah, he's a goal scorer and he's, he's a very good player and he's one that I know we looked at and it's, it's sometimes disappointing we couldn't have... Uh, pushed on a little bit with him he's been a great player for us to have in the squad but yeah he's their main threat but they've also got quality all over the pitch so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see the approach we take I think if you if you focus your your defense on one person you're kind of having to pick your poison a little bit because there are going to be other players that can hurt you but I, I do think we'll be primarily focused on trying to make life difficult for him um, I'm talking to uh, a Brentford fan and podcaster in David Anderson a bit later in this chat and uh, one of the things he brought up in the conversation that we've already had is uh, that he's been surprised when he's been analysing Watford how little we're using Saar this season in in wide areas given that he's you know possibly one of the best players in the championship what do you what would you say to that Jordan well yeah I mean I think we've been trying to use him fairly often. He he operates in that wide area and he he stays very wide, more so than his counterpart on the left. Um, we've we've always tried to use him. I mean, we've had a few op- uh, options and sorry opportunities to use him in the central areas, which we've done that. But he's not really occupied that space as much. But when he has played, it's been predominantly on that right hand side and very wide right. So we have got the ball to him, but I, I don't think he's played. Um, to the same level that he that he has done previously for us and that he can. I think, as we spoke about in the last podcast, there's a lot of lot of factors that play into that, but I do think that he's just uh, he's struggling to adapt a little bit. And I think a big part of that too is that he's playing against teams in a different fashion. They're sitting off him and they, they are knowing that he's a, he's a big threat and he hasn't quite figured out how to how the best play that yet. I don't think he doesn't look quite comfortable when he's got those two bullies in front of him rather than that player that's kind of whether it's forced tight onto him or whether he's in a one-on-one race, both towards the same the same goal, uh, defender that's you know struggling to get back and getting counterattacked, we haven't had the opportunity. I think we've we've had some. I think we've had the fewest shots from counterattack in the league. I might be wrong on that. It's, it's close to anyway. We just haven't really been playing in that manner. So it's a different sort of football for Saar. Um, I think I think any manager, including Ivic, is going to be looking at Saar as one of the main 
the main threats that we have in the team. So I'm sure we're trying to game plan for him to be used, but there's just a lot of factors that play into that. And you can't underestimate what the other teams are doing to try and shut him down as well. So against Brentford, I think this is an opportunity for Saar because we will have some space there. I do think they'll they'll push numbers forward and they'll be confident they can attack us. So you're always going to have that threat of Saar on the counter-attack. And I think that's kind of what we need um, and what suits him best at the moment. Do you think that Hughes is a player that Watford could really benefit from coming back as soon as possible? Yeah, I think I think Hughes is vital to that. Um, my midfield, as I said, against uh, Birmingham was below average for me. Uh, they're all all three of those players. I I kind of put down as complementary players to the likes of Hughes and Kapu. You add one of them into a three-man midfield alongside the other, two, uh, alongside Kapu and Hughes, and things you know things are fine. So it's a good midfield, but you you put three of them together, and it's just not not really what you need. Um, so yeah, I think Hughes returning would be a, a big boost to that. He's got that versatility that he can play in that two-man midfield. He can play in the three-man. He can play deeper. He's, he's good off the ball and he's quite tenacious. And he, he actually, is, his defensive side of his game is a little bit underrated, I think, um, by fans that haven't watched him in the last few years. Um, but his offensive uh, offensive style is, is, is a good match for us. He's, he's calm on the ball and he looks forward nicely and he can play that ball into some tighter areas and be a bit more aggressive with it. So yeah, I think having Hughes in there will be a huge difference to that midfield. Also, Etienne Kapu as well. I think if you could start both of them going forward, that would be ideal. It's a shame that it's taken almost half the season to get to the, to get to the point where we can play the two of them. Um, but I think it's important that when they are available, they play as much as possible. Yeah, Kapu came on just for a few minutes at the end, but it wasn't really enough chance to, to see much of it. No, that's a terrible cameo. <laughs> horrible yellow card horrible, horrible foul to give away and it was uh, yeah, that was an extremely risky one so that's not yeah Kapoor as a sub has always not quite sat that well with me for some reason it never quite clicks but yeah I think he's yeah, he's he's integral and as is Will Hughes I think as long as as long as they're available they should be playing for sure final question it's the one that you know that's coming Jordan it's uh, score prediction time uh, what, do you, what do you think to this time I'm going for a draw this I'm pretty confident on the draw for this one um, I'm actually going to go for a I'm going to go for a bit of a high score and then go for a 2-2 two, 2-2 two. Two, two? are you sure is Watford yeah. involved in this game are you sure? yeah yeah no I've got I've got a good feeling about this one I think it's going to be I think I think it'll be interesting test I think Brentford will, will show us something that we haven't seen yet I do think it'll be interesting to see how we how we handle that pressure I think we're a team that's built built to be quite comfortable off the ball but there's always that that pressure then when you when you play against teams that don't want to have the ball what do you do and I think that's kind of what we've seen away from home too we've kind of set up to to have that that time off the ball and we just don't really look like we have that set that set pattern of play and that set game plan to operate when we do have it so I think being forced into that situation where Brentford are going to be a bit more aggressive that might just leave some space for us to be a little bit quicker on the counter and show a little bit of something we haven't seen yet so I've got a feeling we might we might look a bit different in our attack, even if it's uh, even if it's not quite as uh, as controlled as we're trying to be. I think there'll be a bit more of a uh, an opportunity for us to to score a couple of goals. That's what I'm hoping anyway. Okay, good stuff. That's Jordan Weimer there, football analyst and Watford fan, and you can follow him on Twitter for what is always some great stuff at Jordan Weimer. Next up, we'll be chatting to Brentford fan and podcaster with the Brentford FC Tactical Podcast, David Anderson. Oh, no. Oh, mate, you've sliced that one. Oh, man, that's just getting embarrassing now. Right, that's it. I'm sorting this out. Hello? Is that Nick Pinnett's Golf Academy? Can you fit me in for a few lessons, please? Oh, terrific. Yes. Blimey, what a shot. 
What in the world has happened to your game? If your game could do with some improving, get in touch with Nick Pinnock's Golf Academy, based in Panshanger. Nick is a PGA qualified coach who can analyse your game with the latest technology and coach you to beating your mates in no time. For more details, Google Nick Pinnock's Golf Academy. Attentions to the visitors this Tuesday. Watford are home again, this time playing against Brentford. And to chat about the Bees, it's David Anderson from the Bees Tactical Podcast at Bees Tactical on Twitter. David, welcome to the show. Brentford, well, they had a great season last year, didn't they? So narrowly missing out on promotion. I imagine this season's expectations were probably quite high going into it. Uh, hi, Matt. Thank you for having me on. Yes, um, expectations would have been high. They, um, a really good season last year, getting all the way to the playoff final and um, just narrowly missing out to Fulham and Fulham aren't really giving a great sort of foot of themselves in the Premier League, so we wish we were there. But um, expectations would be hard to sort of repeat that and continue in that form. Um, It hasn't quite gone to plan so far. I mean, we're doing okay. We're not quite hitting the heights of last season, but I don't think anyone really is standing out. So being in sort of being in the fight and being in the mix is probably a bit underrated at the moment. Yeah, that's right. You obviously lost a high-profile striker in Ollie Watkins, but uh, you've, you've brought in a real talent in Ivan Tony, who has an astonishing 15 goals this season already. I mean, your uh, your, your team that works behind the scenes is obviously uh, finding some real quality players all over the place, and, and it's it's proving it's proving wonders. Yeah, we're quite good at that, and um, fame for that now. Uh, Tony's um, not quite the unknown gem that. Uh, we picked up in the past or sort of uh, previously he's a little bit more known with his um, uh, sort of goal scoring prowess in the last few years but he's another brilliant find he's stepped in and it's like there's there's been a few teething problems but goals have masked any of those um, yeah as you said he's on 15 now uh, three of those are penalties he's way he's outperforming his expected goals he's he's dangerous in the box anything comes near him it sticks and he can put anything away so he's keeping us in this fight basically there's not much going on behind him in terms of goals or or shots or or any real danger but tony is um another brilliant find and uh, yeah the brentford machine keeps going on thomas frank is the man in charge at brentford talk to us a little bit about about the man who's, who's been so successful for you so far yeah so frank is um probably be quite unknown to people in England and uh, the UK. So he was at Bromby for a while and that didn't end too well for him. And then sort of he's, he's a bit more experienced in the youth coach area and um, working with kids and sort of developing and um, doing stuff with the Danish national team. And he came to Brentford originally as um, Dean Smith's number two, just to sort of help with the more disciplined and tactical defensive side of the game. And um, when Dean Smith went to Aston Villa, it was never in doubt. Frank was going to take over and... Uh, I think since he has, Brentford have turned into just a far better team in every area. So better in attack, better in defence, better in sort of transition and just improved tenfold. And he's proved to be just a much better coach. He got Brentford last season. It was the best football they've ever played. They got as far as the playoff final and just uh, sort of one or two kicks away from getting promoted to the Premier League. So a really astute tactician. Um really disciplined and I think is important what probably gets missed with Brentford is just the willingness to defend and how much we are a really good defensive side and that's come from him that that hunger and that mindset to be to focus on sort of the defensive side of the game and let the the attacking stuff take care of itself and he says things like keep games tight and if the game's nil-nil you can win one nil or nick one or you sort of keep it really tight and 
if if it is a draw, we don't want to be on the losing side. So he he thinks defensive first, but don't let that make you think he is a defensive coach completely. He's very attack minded too. He just he just uh, knows the value of clean sheets. So how does he deploy Brentford then tactically? What's uh what's his style and and does he change it on a game per game basis or does he sort of try and be quite rigid in, in his decisions? He's very rigid, yeah. Frank's um, a very stubborn uh, manager. He sticks to his guns. He has a set way of playing and he rarely deviates from that. Um, there's a couple of occasions where Brentford have moved to more three, uh, the back system, a 3-4-3, three, three, but it's more out of um, necessity than sort of choice. He's more forced into that through sort of selection issues. Um, but he he likes to play a 4-3-3 three, three system and it's um, sort of with a single pivot and two eights ahead of that. Uh, or it can sometimes fall into a 4-2-3-1, but... There is a, a, a three okay. four three does sneak in every now and again, and it's generally to do with sort of masking a few personnel issues, or someone's injured, or they just want to get another player into the back line. Uh, it doesn't end well. It doesn't look good, and Brentford look far weaker when they do switch away from the four three three. But um, yeah, the main system is four three three, sort of a, a central striker, two wide forwards beside, uh, three midfielders behind, which um, sort of rotate back and forward and try and connect with the front line or. Um, sort of be connected with the defenders as well. So, yeah, you're not going to see much change for Frank. His um, form, you, you can generally pick his for, uh, his teams and his formations pretty consistently. Do you think that's a formation that he's deployed to try and get the best out of Ivan Tony? Because obviously, it's, it's very it's working very well if that is. But but if if it isn't, um, what's the what's the aim to try and create the goals for the side? Is it is it more trying to go around the wings or, or how, how would you describe it? Uh, yeah, so last year I think it's it's a follow-on from probably just basic tactical principles. They're more they want domination in midfield. They want three players in midfield, and they want three forwards. And those those wide forwards will combine with either the centre forward or the the fullbacks behind them, or a central midfielder. So the the four three three gives you the chance to to flexibly attack on the wings or through centre. So they've carried on what they've been doing for the last couple of years with Ben Rama and Watkins and. Um, this is probably where a lot of um, fans and sort of watchers on are struggling with Brentford at this season because it doesn't look as smooth or it's not as silky or or sort of as accurate as last year. It's a lot. It's a little bit more clunky and a bit more stodgy in the midfield area and the attacks a little bit more focused around Tony, who isn't a Watkins. He he doesn't sort of stray into the wide areas. He's not um, he's not a very he's he's very sort of much more much more of a box forward than um, than the previous forward. So there has been a little bit of a change. So we are a little bit more reliant on getting the ball to him centrally. And uh, yeah, so this season I guess a bit more of attacking in sense of not so much. Uh, a sort of central team where we come through the middle with uh, a Ben Rama or, or then Bemo would come in and um, he'd be quite clinical and then Watkins would rotate into the wing areas. Now we're kind of a little bit more predictable and you can see the ball going wide and then try to be worked into the box to Tony and it's not quite as um, it's not quite as easy on the eye or um, as aesthetically pleasing as um, last season but it's still effective and I think once the ball does get near Tony in the box he's He's quite dangerous. So this is just what's happened. Brentford are not taking as many shots as last year. Uh, they're not creating as many chances and uh, the quality of their shots are down. But the shots we are creating when they do fall to Tony and they, they're good enough for him to be putting them away and we're good enough to sort of be out shooting the opposition in terms of quality as well. So it's a good blend. We're not as good as last year, but we are still good in terms of who we're playing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're also very, very good on the road this season. You've uh, you've won five from the nine that you've played away, and if there was an away table, you'd be sitting second. Uh, also, in terms of xG, you're the fifth highest with uh, with one point three. 
do you think that um, your away performances this year has, has been you know, a real highlight and, and is it something that um, you're hoping I suppose will continue against Watford? Uh, yes, absolutely. It'd be nice if it did continue. I, I think home and away, it's, it's difficult with home and away this year um, since lockdown football began because understanding the sort of what, what is home and away football probably hasn't got the same effect as it would have had with, because fans aren't in the stadium. So I think the quality of teams is probably shining through and Brentford are, are a good side. I, I think we've struggled at home because the games were a bit tighter and um, uh, there's less commitment from some of the opposition to go at us and come out. And, and Brentford have evolved into more of a counter-attacking team in these last few years. So when teams... So, so when teams come at us and the game's open, it's a bit more of a shootout. That's when we tend to excel. With this year, I guess probably what you're what you're describing with the away form is te- teams are th- when they are at home, they have an incentive. The, the points are there to, for them to go and win. And if they lose in their home home games, then probably going throughout the season is negative. So there's a little bit more incentive for teams to come out, and um, Brentford sort of pick teams off a little bit more. But yeah, it's it's difficult to know how much sort of home and away does influence at the moment, but I, I'd say there's not too much in it. Why the games basically the games we've not done well at at home have been more unlucky and sort of not seeing a game out and really late goals in sort of the last ten minutes of games more than us struggling compared to playing away. The exciting thing for me is, of, is uh, of course, uh, you've got probably one of the best away form in the in the league. And you're playing against the team that's got the best home form in the league. So it's going to be a really interesting one to see uh, who, who comes out on top between those two. Yeah, it will do. It's a, it's a really interesting game, actually. Um, just looking at some of um, our data, we can see that Brentford are... At, there's not much that Watford are stronger than Brentford at. Um, I think we're sort of goals four, we've scored more. Um, XG four, we've scored more. Uh, non-shot XG, we're higher as well. Um but what's quite interesting about Watford is um, it's this, just this defensive record and how strong you are at the back. And I think that's probably come down with you from the Premier League. So as teams do come down from the Premier League, they struggle with um, being sort of, especially the teams at the bottom. You, you turn into a defensive team and you, need, you learn to soak up pressure and keep yourself in games. What's probably happening now is you've still got the hangover of that. And you're not quite sure how to attack other teams. And the Championship's all about sort of outscoring and being a really good attacking team. It's not You don't really win leagues by sort of solely defending so you're, you're transitioning a little bit but I, I think this is going to be a quite it's, it'll be a low scoring game I don't, I don't think you're going to concede many chances and um, looking at Birmingham as well it was just a really tight game condensed in the middle it might be a little bit more open in terms of how we play because uh, we sort of like to play through the thirds and it might be sort of a little give and go and um, a bit more attacking in that sense but um, it's quite interesting to see how strong you are at the back and um, it's really defensively that's um, sort of where you're closer to Brentford than in attack in terms of uh, location, there's actually not a lot that separates uh, from for just 25 miles. But there, there's never really been a, um, a rivalry between the two teams, is there, over the years? No, I guess the two clubs have got much bigger rivalries to really pay much attention to each other. Um, there, was a, there was a bit of a playoff um, tussle a few years back. Oh, gosh, I think it was 2014 now. Um, and yeah, you do have Andre Gray, who was an ex-Brentford player that we sort of dug out from um, Luton. Um, Luton's probably a word I shouldn't say on this podcast but yeah, I think as clubs as clubs we just both have much greater rivalries on our doorstep then you're sort of not fond of Luton and uh, we're not very fond of sort of QPR and Fulham so there's there's not really a need to to sort of have a have any more tussles I think we, we've both got our hands full there haven't we yeah perhaps it's the fact that we both like uh, flying insects uh, of, a, of a bee variety <laughs> maybe that's the uh, the insect derby yeah the insect derby bees versus the uh, <laughs> Versus the Hornets. We should probably get Barnet involved as well and, and, and 
and then we can have all, all kinds of bees and yeah. Boston uh, <laughs> things flying around. Um, so uh, I suppose the, the system that you expect to, to, to be played against Watford will be pretty similar to what you've seen so far this season and no, no changes required to try and cope with any of Watford's threats. Uh, probably not. No, the only real deviation we've seen from Frank or the curveball is Marcus Force. He's a young um, Finnish striker that's um, been on our books for a while now and he's really dangerous in front of goals. got a really good sort of record of the chances he has. He's outperforming his... I think he's got five goals now from sort of about 2 or 2.5, 3 XG. So he, he's a really good finisher and he's, if he gets a chance, then he's likely to put it away. So he's been playing on the left wing um, and... Really, okay. he isn't a left winger. He doesn't really track back. So what it turns into is more of a four-four-two. So he'll be quite close to Tony and sort of a bit, try and be a bit narrower and um, will turn into a four-four-two shape. So you're not really a team that attacks much down the wing. So I can I, I could see him coming on and being sort of fresh and because he hasn't played much in the last couple of games. He could start this game and we go a four-four-two and then kind of match up with you guys as well. So I, I saw you play against Birmingham and... Um, it got really bogged down in the midfield and uh, it was a, it was a stodgy game and there wasn't really much creativity. It was sort of launched the ball, tried to go direct to Dini quite often. And uh, mm. I think if you play like that against Brentford, you're probably going to give the ball away far too much and it might cause you a few problems. So I, I think there'll be a bit more subtlety in your game as well, a little bit more sort of conservatism and just being a bit more patient on the ball. But uh, I, I, the only surprise, I, yeah, that's it really. I, I think Force might come into the starting lineup. Otherwise, it will be four three three. Yeah, sort of Sergi Canos, Ivan Tony, and uh, um, Mbemo on the right, and then a, a midfield three of um, sort of the only three or four sort of fit and firing midfielders that we have. Okay, is there anybody you're worried about from a, from a Watford's perspective? Shmeli Asar is certainly a, a talent on his day. Yeah, no, I, I think this is it with Watford. I, I'm not sure your midfielders are. Forgive me for just being blunt, but I don't think your midfielders are really top class. I think they're okay. They're kind of they'll they'll keep you in games. Mm. They're not really going to do anything too dangerous. Chalaber and um, uh, oh gosh, the other one from um, X Men United. I always forget his name. Quite short. Tom. Oh Cleverly. yes, Tom Cleverly. Yeah, so Cleverly, Chalaber, and um, there's another one on loan from United. I think Garner is. They're not really. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're not on. really going to set the world alight. But it's Saar and it's Pedro and um, Dini. These are the these are the players that if the ball does get to them in the final third, they they don't need too much to just fire something at goal. And this is really what I think your strengths are. Just games are tight. You don't give away many goals. And then if if Dini does get a good touch off to one of these players, or if he gets it under control, can turn and fire something at goal, it's it's going to go in. And yeah, I think that would be the threat. But a good thing for Brentford, I think we have a defender called Mazbek Sorosan, young coming through, and he he loves the physical battle, and um, he doesn't like being stretched in behind or sort of played around by his feet. But what he does like is to get tight and sort of have an aerial battle, and I think Dini will give him that. So depending on who we go with at the back, whether it's Pontus Janssen, Pinnock, or D uh, or Mazbek Sorosan, um, all three of them really should be able to give Dini a good a good game. So it'd be interesting to see how you do play this and who you put around. Um, you put around Dini. I've got a feeling that uh, we should be able to keep Dini quiet. It's just who plays off him and then how that person connects because you, you do tend to leave quite big gaps between Dini and the midfield. So it, it's going to be a fascinating battle and I, I just think it'll be a low scoring one personally. Okay, fair enough. Well, coming on to that and uh, it's the last question of the of the pod, but uh, what do you think the score prediction would be? Uh, well, it's always tough to give a score prediction, isn't it? But yeah, I, I think 
Um, I think it will be decided by one goal. I think it will be 1-0 and I'm going to go 1-0 to Brentford. Okay, fair enough. That's David Anderson there from the Brentford Tactical Podcast and you can find more information from them at Bees Tactical on Twitter. Well, thanks to David for joining us and of course Jordan earlier on in the show. That's it for today's episode then, but we'll be back again after the Brentford one to dissect that and also build up to the Huddersfield game on Saturday. Until then, keep showing the pod and I'll see you next time. But that's it for now. See you later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 